morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here. I kind of feel like a party is happening right now and we didn't get the invite. Um, it's okay, it usually happens to me, I'm used to it. Um, before we begin, why don't I pray and ask God to help us understand his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Psalms and how they help us know you better, how they help us understand our emotions better. And I pray that as I speak from your Psalms, that you would reveal to us your goodness, your faithfulness. And I pray that you'll reveal to us who Jesus is and what he has done for us. May you help me speak clearly and powerfully that our hearts will be changed and moved to worship you as our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Now, if you have an outline, it would be really good if you have that open with you. It will sort of help you follow along the talk. But also, I want you to keep your Bibles open. Um, it'll be a lot easier for you, you to follow along. So if you keep that psalm open on Psalm 42 and 43, that would be great. Who knows what happened on Thursday? Was there anything special about Thursday? Are you okay, Day? Well done. Gold star for Amy. So are you okay, Day, was this Thursday? It's, it's a day where you ask the people around you, are you okay? You listen to them. You encourage them to speak openly about how they're feeling. And you just check in on how they are. I feel like with the psalm that we've read today, this psalmist really needed someone to go to him and say, are you okay today? Even my favorite website, Ozbargain, changed its color theme from orange to yellow, which is how I knew about it. Um, so I wonder, how are you going today? How are you feeling today? The Psalms do a wonderful thing for us. And as we look at the Psalms as a church, they reveal to us how we feel about life, how we feel about our faith, but also how we feel about God. The Psalms allows us to express to God how we feel. And today's Psalm is a Psalm of Lament. And Psalm of Lament is just sadness, it's this grief. And my small group over the past few weeks, we've been trying to read through a psalm a day. And after about five days, someone posted up, goes, these are all really depressing. These are all really sad. And it turns out that 59 out of the 150 psalms are psalms of lament. One, more than one in three are sad psalms, psalms of grief and sadness. So as each week we moved into a new book, and that is where we find ourselves today. Psalm 42 and 43 is part of a new book. So you just see up there, 42 is there. So we're starting in the book two. As last week, Pete was mentioning the structure of the Psalms, how Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 sort of set up the whole book of the Psalms. This is off the Bible Project if you want to watch the video. Um, and many of the Psalms have a clear cause for why people are upset, why people are sad. But our Psalm doesn't really you know, Psalm 3 has David running from Absalom. And other Psalms are the psalmist lamenting over their own sin or other people's sin. But as, as Ham just read the Bible for us, I wonder, did you pick up what was wrong with this guy? What was wrong with this psalmist? What was he facing? What was he encountering that caused him to feel this deep sadness and grief? As we know, the Psalms always point us towards Jesus. So as we walk through this passage... I want us to see how this psalmist handles his problem 
but also see on this side of the cross, after Jesus' death and resurrection, how we can look to this, how we can look to Christ Jesus and reflect on this psalm as our comfort. So you haven't outlined this is my first point, the drought. Uh, read with me verses uh, 1 and 2 from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where, when can I go and meet with God? The psalmist thirsts for God. You know, there is no hint of sin. No one seems to be chasing him, wanting to kill him. Nothing seemingly looks wrong on the outside, but on the inside, this psalmist is lamenting. You know, there's been songs written on this psalm. I've seen it on a coffee mug at Kurong. You know, it has this picture of like a Bambi next to a stream of water, you know, drinking water nourished by its stream. I also found this picture on Google. So you see this strong deer next to this water and it's just green, luscious, everything around it. And they're beautiful images, a great desktop background. And they're helpful reminders, but... As we start looking closely at this text, this text isn't a strong deer by this flowing river stream next to this green, luscious flowers and plants. The verses and, and this psalm is actually a deer panting and thirsting for water. It's longing for water. It's, it's on the brink of death. It is the deer that stands on a dry creek bed is a deer that stands on dry creek bed, panting, walking around in the dirt. And as it walks, it kicks up the dust. Its nose is sniffing in the air, smelling for moisture. Its ears are perked up, trying to listen for that stream. That's the picture that we get. This is a nice desktop photo, but I couldn't find a photo of this deer dying, looking for water. (laughs) And as that deer longs for streams of water, the psalmist is saying, I long for God. As a deer for water, I long for God, the living God. I'm on the brink of death. I feel weak. God, I need you. What, what other hope do I have apart from God? I need you like the deer needs water. Ed, can we turn off that? It keeps buzzing. I need you like the deer needs water. What else should I go after? What else can I go after that would sustain my life? It's a cry of an utterly broken man, desperate for God. It isn't a problem of the psalmist not believing in God, though. We, We can see that he clearly does because he says, I long for God. But the psalmist can't sense God anymore, and he feels distant. Look at the end of verse 2. When can I go and meet with God? He's lost his relationship experience with God. He's lost the reality of God. The sense of God's presence has left him. He's spiritually dry. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Psalmist hasn't been eating. He hasn't been sleeping. He's just been eating his tears, just crying all day and all night. And people are asking him, where's your God? This is a place of spiritual drought. If you've been a Christian for any stretch of time, you may have felt this before. I know for me, it was when I was in uni. I started to question a lot of things. 
I had a routine. Friday night youth, Sunday church, Tuesday leaders meeting. Friday night youth, Sunday church, Tuesday leaders meeting. Rinse, wash, repeat, week in and week out, that was my life. I opened the Bible every time. I learned things about God and what Jesus had done. But things grew stale. I just grew apathetic. I got to the point where I thought, God, why, why won't you do something? Why, why don't you do something? God, where are you? Where are you? I sing praises and songs to you on Friday and Sunday, but I, I just feel empty. Am I being fake? So this next verse was comforting. In verse 4, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise amongst the festive throng. These began to be my laments. I remember those times at camps and at conferences where you know, people would start singing. You kind of feel like the windows are going to shake and shatter. And you're filled with joy and laughter as you talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ. If this is you today, I hope and I pray that this psalm would comfort you. That people have always felt this way. And it's recorded to us by God for us. Many people have felt this way. And if you haven't experienced this yet, there's a pretty high chance one day you will. And I think the natural tendency when we do feel this way is to think, well, have I been reading my Bible? Have I been going to church? Have I been confessing my sins? Have I been praying enough? Have I been doing all the Christian things that I should be doing? You know, all these things are actually really helpful. All these things are a sign of a strong spiritual life. But sometimes droughts just happen. We aren't given a reason for this psalmist. There's no cause, and that could be the very case for us as well. And here we get the chorus for the song. It's repeated in verse 5 here, verse 11, and verse 43, uh, chapter 43, verse 5. It's a chorus for this song, and something that's brought up at the end of each section of this psalm. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I'll yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. Over and over again, the psalmist starts talking to himself. Melody and I often joke that I'm the more emotional one in our relationship, which is true. But it also means I'm the one that gets caught up in my emotions and I let that guide my thinking and my feeling and everything that I do. The psalmist here questions his feelings. He asks himself, why are you downcast? And other translations say, why are you depressed? Why are you depressed? Why are you down? Why are you disturbed? But look what he does next. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He tells himself, he talks to himself, but then he preaches to himself. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Something that I've loved about the Psalms this last few weeks as we've been reading them as a small group is that the emotions are so real. The emotions are so real and the faithfulness of the psalmist are always so encouraging. There's David being chased and yet he says, I'm trusting God, my deliverer. Despite great laments and great pains, many tears, this psalmist does a couple of things. In this section, we see that he firstly, he longs for God. 
I know for me, when I go through a tough time, I'll distract myself. I'll binge watch Netflix, I'll play hours and hours of computer games, just doing anything that will take my mind off the thing that's the problem in front of me. But this psalmist, and this psalm reminds us that in times of trouble, you long for God. You long for His presence. And you long for the fellowship with fellow Christians. As the deer pants for streams of water that will give it life, we are to helpfully remind it here that we pant for God for our lives. And the second thing he does is he still praises God. Sometimes when you don't want to sing, they're the times that you actually need to sing the most. When you want to just shut God out and not think about it, they're the times that you need to run to him. These two things help us remind us that even if we're distant from God, that God is still worthy of our praise. Let's move on to the next few verses. We're up to point two on your outline, the depths. So I'll read verses six to ten. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, read along with me. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and your breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is within me. A prayer to God of my life. I say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? In this verses, the psalmist is far from Jerusalem. We don't know the backstory, we don't know the context of this psalm, but the Jordan and the heights of Hermon, Mount Mazar, are far north of the city of Jerusalem. It would be sort of like a Sydney to a Melbourne sort of thing. We get this image of this wave and wave crashing onto this psalmist. Imagine being enveloped by this chaos around you, that there's nothing you can do, just getting thrown back and forth and it doesn't stop and you don't know when it'll stop. But notice in verse 7. Sorry. Notice in verse 7 it says, Your waves and your breakers. It's your waves, God. You are God. You are sovereign. You're in control of all of this. You're letting this all happen. Yet the psalmist's faith here is something to be admired. Look at verse 8. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is within me, a prayer to God of my life. The psalmist is deeply assured of God's love for him. Other translation has, I will sing a song to God at night. And the psalm goes on. I say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on mourning, oppressed by the enemies? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? It's like these voices in your head. A good cop, bad cop. You know in the cartoons how there's like an angel and a demon on one shoulder and the other? And they keep telling you what to do. It's these voices that's inside this psalmist's head. There's no easing in the stress of this psalmist. At the start of this year, I spotted a cockroach in the bathroom. And in our bathroom, there's a hot water cupboard. So I sort of thought, okay, I'll get the bug spray. I'll spray it in there, close the cupboard, all done. 
20 minutes later, Mello yells out there's huge cockroaches all over the kitchen and bathroom. They're falling out of the roof spaces. They're coming out through every crack. It was wave after wave. It wouldn't stop. For, what, an hour and a half it wouldn't stop, I think. First it was 10 cockroaches, then 20 and 30 and 40. And 110 cockroaches later, we looked at each other and said, when will it stop? When will it end? You know, this never happened to us in Melbourne. <laughs> what did we do, God? Why, why did we deserve this? Why are you punishing us? And one of the things that helps us in these times is to know the knowledge and the character of God. God is sovereign over everything. It's his waves that he's controlling. Verse 8 tells us, remember, it's his love day and night. And verse 9 says, God is my rock. I wonder if we have the same faith as this psalmist, that in times of trouble, we still know that God is our rock. That he is still sovereign over every single situation that we face. Even when people hurt us, even when circumstances are really bad, will we still trust that God is sovereign? That day when there was wave after wave of cockroaches, I wish the animals that piled into Noah's ark that the cockroaches weren't invited. Despite the troubles we face, we need to remember that God is still in control. God is still sovereign amidst our affliction. He's still sovereign amidst our grief. So even if the situation overwhelms us, it won't overwhelm God. And let's look at the final verses in, verse, in Psalm 43. This is the third point, the deliverer. You know, though this psalm is Psalm 42 and 43, I think they're more likely the same psalm. It shares the same structure, has the same refrain. Um, so this is my third point. Read with me verses uh, uh, 1 to 5 of chapter 43. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go on mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight, I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. The psalmist here asks God to vindicate me, to justify me, plead my case, rescue me. Why are you rejecting me, God? Why must I go on suffering? Why must I go on mourning? Why do I have to face my enemies? Send me your light, God. Lead me, God. Bring me back to you. This is a cry of a desperately disturbed, hopeless man. His soul is downcast. This is a cry for help. He cries out to God to save him. You know, preparing this talk is somewhat unsettling to look at a psalm like this, to think and feel what it would have been like for this psalmist and how desperate it was for him. You know, we know that the Bible is one big story about God's salvation plan for mankind. And all of the Bible points towards Jesus and the cross. You know, we're in this privileged position where we know that he has died, 
But more importantly, he has risen. And we know that God has answered the prayers of this psalmist. That all these requests are already done in Christ Jesus. We know that as we read Psalm 42 and 43, that God has answered every one of these questions, every heartache with the gospel of Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus in the gospel, as he stands up week after a week-long water festival in John, where they celebrate the rain that they've gotten, he stands up and he says, Come to me, all who are thirsty. It is Jesus that is the one that will satisfy our thirst. And on the cross, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I thirst. He's experienced what this psalmist has experienced. Jesus knows and feels what the pains that we feel. He faced head on mortal agony. He faced the mockery that we face as we follow him. A purple robe, a crown of thorns. He's mocked by the ones he came to save. And as he's nailed to the cross, People walk by and they ask him, this man can save everyone else, but he can't even save himself. Where is your God now? When Jesus was asleep on the boat and the waves were crashing into the boat, his disciples freaked out. They wake up, Jesus, don't you care? How can you be sleeping right now? Do you not care that we're going to die in this storm? What does Jesus do? Gets up on top of the boat and he says, be still. And the waves stop. Jesus is sovereign over all of that. In verse 9, we see Jesus was forgotten by God so that we could be remembered by God. In 43 verse 1, Jesus vindicates us in his death and resurrection. He justifies us. He makes us right with God. He gives to us a counselor in the Holy Spirit to plead our case with God. Jesus rescues us from sin and death. Jesus was rejected so that we don't have to be rejected so that we could be accepted. Jesus was the light of the world given to us. Jesus is the one that would guide us and to lead us until the day of his return. You see, this psalm, it is a real person who experienced these real things, this spiritual drought, this despair, and that could be you today. It could be you tomorrow, be you next week. What all of us need to do is to come back to psalms like this, Come back to the Psalms and know that God knows how we feel. Not just because it's in the Psalms, not just because you feel it, but because Jesus experienced the same thing. Jesus endured it for us. So, are you okay today? How are you feeling today? Let me read verse 5 from chapter 43 again. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I'll yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This psalm shows to us that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to ask God why. It shows to us in great times of despair that those are the times that we need to long for God, to hope in God, and to praise God. I just want to share a story. Tim led the song, It Is Well. Um, this, this hymn was probably written in the 1870s, so a pretty old hymn, by a guy called Horatio Spafford. He was a lawyer, a rich businessman, and he owned bits of the Chicago shorefront. 
In the fire of 1871, he lost a lot of his investments. A year later, his son dies. And after all this tragedy, he decides, let's go on a holiday with his family. He still had a wife and four daughters, so he sent them to Europe in 1873. Unfortunately, he had to stay behind, well, so he sent his daughters and his wife ahead. That ship crashed, and only his wife survived. So when Horatio found out, he rushed over to Europe to be with his wife. And the story is, is that as he passed over the spot where the ship crashed, he wrote the song, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, over the point where his four daughters drowned. See, for Horatio, he lived out the psalm. Through great pain and despair, he wrote a song that says, It is well with my soul. And as we sing it as a response song in a moment, think about the lyrics and think about the pain that Horatio would have felt. But what does he do? He looks back to Jesus and what Christ Jesus has done. For us today, when we long, we long for Jesus. When we hope, we hope in Jesus. This psalm teaches us to speak to ourselves and also to preach to ourselves. Speak to yourself. Remind yourself to put your hope in God. Continue to do that, to urge yourself to praise God because Jesus is your Savior and Jesus is your God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for psalms like this. Psalms that reveal to us the depths of despair that some people can experience, that we can experience. We thank you that you know our hearts, that you comfort us. Lord, I pray for those of us who are downcast, that you would comfort us. I pray those who are disturbed, that you would show us your goodness and your faithfulness. God, I pray that you'll help us put our hope in you, that we'll continue to look to Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And I pray this, that we would do this not just today, but for the rest of our lives, that we'll continue to praise you for what you have done in Christ Jesus.